Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things a little bit differently. We are choosing to prioritize our happiness, health, and relationships as we pursue our entrepreneurial dreams and make them a reality. And if this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome, beyond excited to have you here. And if you're returning, you know how much I appreciate you for coming back every single week. And whether you are a new friend or an old friend today, you and I get to hang out with Jennifer Blankel. In this episode, as always, you are going to learn a ton, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how Jennifer's career as a relationship coach came from an unexpected place when she was actually struggling with her own relationship. Number two, we dive deep into the six human needs. The roots of this go back to Abraham Maslow years ago, and he proposed six basic human needs. And it's so critical that we talk about this because think about the impact of understanding how both you prefer to get your own needs met and your partners. It could be your business partners, your your relationship with your significant other, your kids. Everybody has different uh, preferences for these six human needs. So understanding yours and other people's can have a massive impact on your life. And number three, we talked about something called right hand versus left hand versus seventh power people. Turns out many of the relationship problems that you're having can melt away if you actually just learn how to use this new perspective. When Jennifer shared this with me, I was blown away. It's helped me a ton. I'm super excited for you to listen to that. Uh, a little bit of context before I read Jennifer's bio, you heard she's a relationship coach. I met Jennifer at an event, ended up hiring her because I always believe in investing in my relationships and I wanted to give her get her perspective on ways that I can improve my relationships and based on her experience. So Jennifer is a certified relationship and marriage coach as seen live every other week on Portland's Coin News. She also works privately with hardworking, success-driven professionals to help them ignite a whole new level of connection, joy, and intimacy with their love partner even when they don't feel like they have the time, energy, or desire to do the work so they can stop living like roommates and feel loved, appreciated, and supported by their partner within 90 days without therapy. So we have done a ton of conversations about entrepreneurship, less less conversations about specifically on relationships. And we dive deep, and this is super important, and I'm super excited for you to listen to this incredible information with my new friend, Jennifer Blankel. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. Thank you, Brandon. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yes, and since we had our coaching session uh, a few months ago now, my mind has been reeling with all the incredible value that you share in the world, so I'm grateful to dive in deeper and share this with other people today. And I thought a really good place to start would be kind of the not straight line, we'll put it, that you took to becoming a relationship coach. So let's start with, it, it's spring of 2008. You just got married. You're starting a family. Can you kind of paint the picture of what's going on then and how that kind of led you to where you are today with what you're doing? Absolutely. It's a juicy question. <laughs> so um, yes, my husband and I got married in 2008 after dating for about two and a half years. You know, I have to admit, um, as a, as a woman, I definitely entered marriage. Um, I didn't realize it then, but I, I was entering marriage in more of a fairy tale mindset. 
you know, I, I knew I wanted two kids. I knew I had met my, my Mr. Right. And I, I just thought, man, I'm about to enter this, this awesome, joyful, happy, you know, stage of my life, marrying this incredible man. Well, we got married in March of 2008. And, you know, as we all remember, uh, soon after that, um, just a few months later, you know, the world collapsed under the market crash. Um, and, you know, under the collapse of the economy, you know, my husband kind of collapsed, you know, my, my husband's work is um, very tied to the state of the market. <laughs> and so, so the 2008 event really um, was a, a, a deep, um, significant disruption for him, both personally and professionally. And so, you know, being a, a new wife, um, still what I felt was the honeymoon phase of our, of our marriage and this going on, um, you know, a lot, a lot of things changed fast and abruptly. And so I, we both were kind of sent, uh, without a lot of warning or time to prepare into, into a different phase of our marriage, which was, you know, problem solving and uh, reducing risk and, you know, trying to figure out what our next move was. And so, um, in the process of all of that, you know, I learned it took a little too long, <laughs> but I learned a lot about my husband because after the firm that he was working for imploded due to the 2008 economy collapse, I didn't realize how the reasons that led to him kind of losing himself as the man that he was, you know, he, his work, he's a, you know, very smart man and his, his success and sense of purpose and even sense of manliness is heavily tied rightfully so to, to his work. So when that went away, when that just crumbled, you know, with no warning, um, that affected him personally. And as a woman, I've lost lots of jobs, you know, even dramatically. And, you know, um, I can't say that I have felt the impact that my husband felt. And so um, to make this story shorter, I'll say that I, I learned the, the hard lesson of taking years to understand what my husband went through to be able to show up as the partner that I could have been all along. But I could, you know, I was pretty, I was not a fun partner to be with during that time. I turned cold. I was, you know, bitchy. I was punishing when I felt like he wasn't acting the way I wanted him to act and be in the mood I wanted him to be in. And, um, yeah, as we all know that, that didn't, that didn't help him, you know, mm -hmm. heal or transform out of his reality and, and the way he was experiencing it all. So, I mean, you know, I, it, it's a huge part of why I am a relationship and marriage coach specifically, you know, I, I started as a life coach, did that for a couple of years. And then when, you know, when my own marriage, you know, when the shit hit the fan of my own marriage, that's when I really developed the, the true awareness that, wow, I'm not alone. And, and this is something that people struggle with, no matter if they faced a, a real event or not, marriage is hard. And so um, sorry, I was a little long-winded about that, but that's 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 a, the story that happened. That's truly the origin of my 
my niche here in the coaching world of relationships and marriages. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think that it just helps people to have that perspective of somebody that is a relationship coach. Like you had to learn this stuff the hard way, right? Like it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows for you and all your relationships. And that's how you've learned all these intricacies that we'll dive into today that make the difference that, and you were alluding to some things that I know we'll get into. It's like those things that you can see retroactively now that the way your husband was behaving, even the way that you were behaving in that particular situation that that you help people apply inside of their relationships today. And I know that one of the things that you and I had discussed that has been a transformational tool in your life is this concept of six, the six human needs. So I know this could be easily a seven hour podcast episode, probably just on the, the six human needs in and of itself. But I know you were kind of alluding to the fact that when your husband lost his job, he was, his sense of self was a little bit a skew and that you need to figure out how that is. So I would love for you to share a little bit about the six human needs, if you could maybe give an overview of them. And uh, I think this is just such a juicy place to start because once I feel like we understand this at a greater level, we can create deeper and more connected relationships with ourselves and with the people that are important to us in our lives. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So first I want to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite obsessed with this tool um, I credit uh, Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonis. And I also want to say, you know, I never want, I never want to use assessments or tools to robotically put people in boxes. But what I really love about this tool is it does offer a way to assess what assess what's going on in your world, whether it's with yourself or with a key person in your life, because human beings do awesome things. Human beings do funky things that make no sense. Human beings do horrible things. And when we can have a a tool that allows us to see why perhaps that's going on from a different angle, we can transform our emotional experience of it. So to answer your question, um, the six human needs uh, is derived from human needs psychology research. And the concept of it is, is that uh, as human beings in this world, we all universally share the human species that is six human needs. And science says there's truth around these six because, or there's truth, meaning there's universality, or is that a word? Universality? It is today. I think it sounds right to me. (laughs) We can see it's universal because human beings have the same neurological system. So this comes a lot from our, how we're wired neurologically and psychologically as humans. So, so science, you know, brain research, all this, all this stuff says that, that there are six needs that we're primarily subconsciously striving to meet. But when we get aware and get more conscious as human beings, we can, we can become more conscious of how we get these needs met, but um, we got to get these needs met to not only survive, um, because four of the six are need are needs of survival. Uh, but there's two out of the six that are more spiritual needs, uh, which are the gateways to that deeper fulfillment in our lives. Um, and I'll go over them just real quick. The first four that that we need to meet, even if we meet them in ways that are destructive, that ultimately are not great and good for ourselves or other people involved. Um, we still have to meet these to survive and their love and connection, significance, certainty, 
followed by its opposite friend, uncertainty and variety. And then the two spiritual needs that I was just referring to that lead to more fulfillment in life are growth and contribution. Hmm. So, so I don't know if you want me to go into more detail, but yeah, the- let's, let's, yes, let's start by going a little bit more into detail, because I think if, if, if we were to focus in on one topic, I think this is the topic that I would love for people to apply because I've taken lots of, as you said, lots, there's lots of personality types out there or tests out there. Like you could go take the strings finder. You can go take the Colby. You could take the disc. Like there's all these different things. And I think that every single one has its weaknesses and strengths. And I always view them as like, let me get as much data as I possibly can so that I can then assess and apply what works for me and what doesn't work for me. But the opposite side of a personality test is the insights that it gives you about the other human beings that you get to spend time with, right? And so I think that by understanding this, not only will you get to know yourself deeper, but the people that are important in your life, whether it be business partners, relationships, uh, your spouse, your kids, uh, it, it just adds a lot more color to that when you can see it through this lens. So yes, I would love to go through kind of a brief description of each of them and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. And I, and I love your clarification around that because yeah, this is a tool that we can not only apply to ourselves and up-level ourselves by really getting clear on, okay, what, what is driving my thoughts? What is driving my emotional habits? What's driving why I choose this over that or why I have these behavioral patterns. Uh, but yeah, you know, when we're talking about our key relationships, that we care about the most in our life, uh, having this data um, and perspective on on the other people in our world is game changing to our relationships. Um, So also I wanna say, because if I can plant the seed in your heart and mind before I explain the needs and it resonates, then then I'm I'm doing good here. (laughs) Um, There's opposing energies in these needs, which creates uh, paradoxes for people. So keep that in mind as I kind of walk you quickly through these. Um, so I'll, I'll give them there. They are in no particular order, but I'll give them in the order of pairing up the paradoxes. Okay. So the first paradox is, you know, the, the need, the human universal need for love and connection versus the human universal need for significance. So oftentimes we can meet both of these needs even simultaneously at a high level. But oftentimes, as an example, our human need for love and connection can prevent us from feeling the significance or that edge of power, you know, and rightfulness that maybe we, you know, that we humanly love to feel and need to feel as well. Uh, I hope that makes sense. So love and connection, our need to feel needed, wanted, um, included, bonded with other people, Uh, and then we've got that need for significance, which is our need to feel worthy, important, um, you know, also needed and wanted, but needed and wanted for, um, you, for what you, you have to offer, um, significance is our need to feel purposeful in this world. Like we're here for a reason, like we're actually making a mark and that oftentimes doesn't require a relationship with somebody else. So if you take, you know, a good old normal conflict or good old downright fight in a, in a love relationship or marriage, you know, oftentimes no matter who is involved or what the scenario is, you've got love and connection and significance at play. You're Mm -hmm. fighting for connection and closerness. I just made up a word with that other person but you're probably also fighting for your perspective to be seen as right, even though 
over 80% of things in our committed love relationships we won't agree on, says science. <laughs> uh, so that's the first two that offer a bit of a human conflict in ourselves. The next two are our need for certainty. We, we all need stability, predictability to know we're safe and secure and uh, not be attacked by our neighbor at night to be dramatic. Uh, but that also humanly conflicts with our human need for variety and uncertainty. You know, the excitement and unpredictable side of life, you know, entrepreneurism versus working for the corporate world, you know, perfect example. Um, and even though we both equally need to meet those two needs, you know, those two might be easier to understand why they conflict. You know, as soon mm -hmm. as we get too much certainty or security, well, that's when we get a little bored. And then we're, you know, we might try to hijack the scene a little bit by creating some chaos, right? <laughs> um, and then the last two are the spiritual needs that when we do practice tapping deeply into these, that's where we get, you know, deeper joy, deeper fulfillment. And that's our need for growth to, uh, expand ourselves mentally, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. Um, you know, as the old adage says, you know, if we're not growing, we're dying. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. And then the final need is contribution. And that's our need to get out of our own self, get outside of our head, get outside of trying to just serve our own needs and, and really give and contribute and serve other people. Yeah. Thank you so much for that overview. I want to give some intricacies to this that I heard you alluding to that I know you teach on. Well, first of all, it's just an aside. I, I Maybe we'll have time to go there, but I love how you pointed out how 80% of the things that we we won't agree on in a relationship. And I think that that is a cool thing for anybody to hear from the mouth of a relationship coach is that, yes, this person that you're married to, you're not supposed to be 100% in agreement with everything and that you won't agree on the vast majority of things. And that's actually normal. <laughs> so I think totally. that's, that's a, that was a cool thing for you to say. But the, the other thing that you were alluding to is that there are both healthy ways and unhealthy ways to meet all of these needs. So I would love to dive into that, but now I just realized, so I'll put a pin on that because I want to get there, but just so that our friend listening can follow along a little bit, mm -hmm. I'll just say right now, you can go to Jennifer's site. You can go take the test, jenniferblankel.com, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-B-L-A-N-K-L.com. That'll be in the notes. Or I put together a short link just to make it a little bit easier to access the quiz. So if you go to bfo.ng slash six, the number six, bfo.ng slash six that'll just that's a short link that'll take you directly to the quiz um but but uh but without taking the quiz jennifer i know that you had talked about i think in another podcast i listened to you there's kind of a question that you can ask about your passions or, or like what you're passionate about that might allude to or get someone to figure out what some of their um, their needs are without even needing to take the test so maybe just for the purposes of our friend being having something to follow along with could you maybe guide them through that so they can maybe self-identify before we go forward Absolutely. Love that question, Brandon. Yeah. So a shortcut, uh, fast way to get this done is, you know, ask yourself the question, what's something that you absolutely love to do, whether it's an activity, whether it's time with a certain person, you know, time doing this thing or spending time with this person literally allows you to lose track of time. You're not checking your clock. You're not looking at your email. You're, you're focused on this because you love it because it, it lights you up and makes you feel really good. So if you can pinpoint the top thing or something at the top of your list in that department, 
And then ask yourself the second question, all right, which of these six needs does this activity or this relationship help me meet? It's likely that the, that those needs are at the top of your blueprint if you were to take the official test. Mm. Because humanly, I know this is going to make sense to you once you hear it, you know, we're gravitated towards people, we're gravitated towards activities, we're gravitated towards passions, projects, work, adventures, challenges, whatever that help us meet our needs. Even when we have no clue what all this stuff is that you and I are talking about today, um, that's the way the, the subconscious brain works. Yeah. So just so people have some context, I mean, like I, the way that I would answer that question, the first thing I would say is podcasting. Like I do not check time and I always get to the end of an interview. I'm like, holy shit, we're done. I can't believe we're done. And I love the, everything that goes into it. So, um, I, I, I asked this, my question retroactively, but my top two needs are growth and contribution, <laughs> the yes. two spiritual needs, which are really interesting, but that it's like, that's how I could arrive to that. So if you want to pause this for a second, ask yourself, what, you know, what is it that you're in flow in? What's the time flying, whatever it is. And maybe you can pick out one of those top two things that the rest of this makes sense for you. So um, appreciate that. And I think it's very valuable for people because I think it just helps them to stay engaged. So let's go back to the question about meeting these needs in healthy ways versus unhealthy ways. But I want to just open the door to you listening to consider the ways that you might be meeting these in unhealthy ways. I, I just like, I, I would, would encourage you to not you know, as we talk about this, like see, or at least open the possibility of like ways that this could be not serving you and the ways that it could be serving you, because I think that there's gold on either side of it. Um, so we'd love for you to share a little bit about maybe some of the ways that people, maybe we can pick a few. I don't know what you think the best way to explain mm -hmm. this is, but some ways that we can, people meet these in good ways and bad ways. I love it. I love it. And I, and I find this fascinating when we can, when we can structure it in this way, using the six human needs tool. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just a nerd over this stuff, but um, I'm, I'm continually fascinated by this. Uh, so er some key examples that I see in my line of work as a relationship marriage coach, I'm going to give you the, some of the key, most common examples. So let's take certainty, for example, uh, you can meet certainty in a constructive way by, you know, furthering your education, growing your skills, taking classes, um, you know, setting healthy boundaries, uh, having a having a healthy, solid routine that you follow. Uh, destructive could be um, trying to control others, being a micromanager, uh, watching too much news because you want to know what's going on, uh, which is what a lot of people are, are feeling the pain from these days. Uh, procrastinating, you know, it sounds like procrastinating could be a form of uncertainty, but a lot of people are trying to procrastinate to avoid feelings of discomfort from doing that thing they don't want to do so that they can be certain that they feel more comfortable. So, so that's, those are examples of certainty, um, uncertainty, new challenges, adventures, um, taking risks to help you grow, you know, shoving yourself out of your comfort box, you know, your comfort zone. Uh, those are all constructive, positive ways. Um, some common destructive ways of getting uncertainty met would be uh, staying in overwhelm, um, using drugs and alcohol to change your state, uh, self-sabotage, you know, as soon as you're getting successful, you blow something up <laughs> to create chaos, creating drama, you know, uh, creating drama. We create drama a lot to, to not deal with the harder things in life, you know, to create that, 
that um, stimulation and unpredictable things or unpredictable side of things. I hope that makes sense. Uh, significance. So we can meet this in a constructive, awesome way by leading ourselves, being a good leader to others, um, standing up for ourselves and other people, achieving a goal, you know, mastering our field or trade. Um, but we can also meet significance in really shitty, destructive ways by gossiping with others, you know, putting other people down. So we feel elevated on a pedestal, um, telling negative stories about ourselves or other people, being a victim, acting like a martyr, having the biggest problems at the party. You know, th mm. those are very, you know, I'm sure, you know, we can all think of, um, think of how that plays out in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I, of, yeah. You know, well, we can keep going through these. This is where I'm, I'm really curious is, and I mean, maybe this is selfish because I'm, I'm growth and contribution is my top two, but it's like, where, like, where maybe we can zoom in. Well, I'll let, maybe I shouldn't have even stopped you. Like, just keep going. No. But I'm just really curious because like for the growth and contribution, um, I can see, I can see it, but I'm curious that based on your experience of other people, how like the, the growth and contribution manifests in negative ways as well. <laughs> That's such a great question. I love your thoughtfulness behind that. Very few people ask me that. And I have a little trigger in my heart that there are negative ways. Like, in other words, I want there to only be the positive categories for growth and contribution because they're the more spiritual positive needs, but there are truly negative ways we can get that met. So I love the fact that you, your thoughtful brain, um, you know, asks that, um, so to answer your question, although growth and contribution are the two of the six needs that ultimately we've got to get to know and be good at meeting and in a constructive way to really tap into the deeper fulfillment in our life and in ourselves. But at the same time, we can grow into the biggest criminal. Mm. We can contribute to the demise of other people. You know, we can, and see, this is where my, you know, science says there is the, de the destructive category on these two spiritual needs, but man, I got to tell you, Brandon, my heart as a relationship and marriage coach don't love that. Cause I wish that we could preserve growth and contribution as being purely constructive and positive, because when, when you talk about contributing as a criminal or growing your expertise in building bombs to be fully dramatic and maybe a little offensive here. <laughs> that is not growth and contribution in my book. That sure. might be significance. I'm going to, I'm going to commit this terrorist act because it, it makes me a significant person and I'm leaving a mark on this world. I'm, I'm surely destructive. But how on earth is that, how can that be growth and contribution? So yeah. by science and human needs psychology, you can find the definitions on the destructive side of growth and contribution. But I just, I wanted to express that because I, I appreciate the question and I love the opportunity to to express that. Well it's, it's, it, well, it's funny because like, I, I mean, I'm always looking for ways to improve and obviously like, there, there you go. Top need for growth right now. But it's like, I hear growth and contribution. Like, well, I don't really understand if my top two needs are growth and contribution, how, or like, what are the negative sides that I can examine? But I will say just from observation, oh. mm -hmm. go, go ahead. If you had something. So, yeah. Okay. So 
with your blueprint growth and contribution being at the top, perhaps it's not so much that you're doing anything to negatively grow or negatively contribute to other people, but perhaps because that's, that's your, that's your functioning motivation, perhaps it would help you to see, to see what other needs might have to follow growth and contribution that might not get met as well, because you're so focused on the beautiful mm. needs of growth and contribution. Does well, that make so like, sense? Yeah, hundred percent. And like, I have another friend that hasn't taken this test, but like, I know his number one, well, I shouldn't say I know without absolute certainty, but I'm very, very confident his top need would be growth as well. And he, we had a conversation a few weeks ago about like, lots of times he pursues growth, but it comes from a sense of unworthiness, like a sense that I need to constantly grow to fill this void of not feeling like I'm, I'm growing in a, in a good way. And so like that, that I could see that as another way of it manifesting. But another interesting thing as I kind of was thinking about this from myself is I have, I have created systems and structure in my world to prove that I'm growing. It's kind of a weird way of saying it, but the times when I'm feeling down is usually when I like haven't been able to attribute any sort form of momentum or progress. And I noticed that. So like now I've developed systems and structures around like, what are the wins for today? What were the wins for this hour? What were the wins for this past two weeks? What were the wins for this month, this year? And I'm, I'm literally have a system and structure behind proving to myself that, that like this growth is happening. So that was a way that it, I guess it negatively manifested is just like that gap between where I am and where I wanted to be and feeling that. But then I guess I self-corrected it by creating structures to prove to myself <laughs> the growth that was happening. So I don't know if that, that helps you in, in how you're thinking about it, but those are two interesting observations, I guess. I love that because yeah, even though my motivation is to keep growth and contribution positive, you're absolutely right. And, and that perfect example, which gosh, I really believe that so many people listening, that's going to resonate your example, you know, um, making the hard effort in this life to grow. And also there being a, a sense of, of needing to prove worth, um, needing to be enough. That's also very universal, no matter who, who we are. I mean, that resides in all of us. So, um, my point, which I hope makes sense is I've put that example under the category of significance. So like we, in other words, I kind of, I, I have it, I view it from the stance of you're meeting significance through what you do to grow, but you're looking at it like, yeah, the, the, and, and I love it. And you're absolutely right. Um, growth. Yes. You can be meeting growth, but if your mindset is I've got to do all this, I've got to be a successful business owner. I've got to be a successful entrepreneur or whatever it is, because I won't be enough. I won't be loved. If I don't, then you're right. That's a perfect. And I, I do wholeheartedly believe a very common premier example. And in, in our current human species, I, I mean, that's cool. I, I think a lot of people are going to, that's going to, you know, land in the hearts of a lot of people. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, so, so now I guess for up to this point, we've been talking about it from ourselves, right? Like, yeah. like Jennifer gave you the question about asking about the passion, identify it, but like, as we alluded to earlier, the opposite side of this, or not necessarily the opposite, but the other, the other side of this is understanding the significant people in our life, whether it's your business partner, your spouse, what their needs are, 
and how to communicate. It's kind of like the five love languages. Like once you know someone's love language, then you can communicate in a way that they understand or they, they feel like that need is met. You know, like I'm sure that that's one of those underlying things that when you can start to understand how to communicate in that way, you kind of can solve lots of the surface level fights that may come up. So um, I, I don't know, like, obviously people can explore more on your site and maybe like reach out for a call and that kind of stuff for you. But like, and we'll get to that at the end, obviously, but like, let's maybe run through an example or two of let's say like, okay, I had my spouse take the test, which again, bfo.ng slash six, go take the test. It'll, it's very insightful. And then uh, have your spouse or, or business partner, whoever else take it. But let's say you do know, or you can predict with relative competence, what the main human need is of this other really important person of your life. Um, like, like, and let's just say it's like love and connection or something like that. Like what, what would be the ways that we can think about to support our significant other or business partner in communicating in a way that makes them feel that need is met? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, and that question, I kind of heard two parts, you know, which is how do we help our partner meet their needs in general, you know, being, being their partner, uh, but then also maybe how do you help address just the normal human scenarios that come up using the lens of yeah. what needs your partner has? Um, yeah, because, you know, the human default way is to feel like life is happening at us. Like it's just life is happening. You know, everything's kind of happening. And especially in our uh, more intimate relationships, when we have any kind of conflict or misalignment that can feel messier and more just uh, confusing and sticky than say the more logical world of work and, and, and responsibility. Uh, so being able to get an idea and, and, you know, have an ongoing practice of, of really the deeper understanding of your, of your partner's blueprint can help you perceive them from an angle that might not feel so personal when things get a little bit humanly sticky. And I don't mean to focus on when things go wrong, but I wholeheartedly believe that's, that's a normal part of being in a committed love relationship. You know, just like I said, 80%, you're not going to, you're not going to truly agree on. So, um, so having knowledge and an understanding of your partner's top need, then you can peel back the layers of, okay, say, for example, like you said, my partner, my partner's top need is love and connection. Okay. Well, that's great to know, but there's a world of detail under there. Mm. What's got to happen for them to feel like their need for love and connection is met. That could be, and it's likely wildly different than even if your top need was love and connection, what would need to happen for you to feel that? So, um, so to answer your question more succinctly to, to know the needs is one thing, but the real nuggets of understanding come from peeling back those layers of what's got to happen. You know, what, what um, reality is in place for each individual on, on what, how that need is met. Yeah, hundred percent. And I know it's kind of hard as you deal with people on a one-on-one coaching relationship, obviously, like you said, it's, it's in the details, it's digging deeper and figuring out what the specific ways that this manifests. And I've been thinking about this a lot from like the perspective of like uh, messaging and business too, a lot lately. Cause it's like, uh, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but like, basically we all have the same human needs because we're talking about human needs. Right. And it's like, there's this fundamental copywriting book. One of the Bibles of copywriting is called uh, scientific 
or sorry, breakthrough advertising, scientific advertising, another one, but breakthrough advertising by Eugene Schwartz. And he talks about how there is no, you can never create a need for your product or services. You can only channel the need and desires that already exists onto your product. And I feel like it's the same thing for the human needs. Like everybody has these human needs, the love and connection and growth significance. And, and by the way, the other intricacy is that we all have these. It's not like you don't have any of the other ones. It's just right. some that are higher and lower, but it's like how that specific need is manifested in someone's life, how you're channeling that need for one person. It might be quality time, I would assume, or one person it might be need. Now I'm just using Gary Chapman stuff, but like gifts, you know, like th that might be how they express love. So I guess maybe that's the work that we have to do, or at least the lens that you have is like, once you understand they have the love and connection, it's like having those conversations, I would assume, or opening up the dialogue, like what do you need to, to feel love and significance? Or how would you encourage someone to go deeper to discover what those specific things are for that they can serve their partner in a higher way? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's funny that you said, what do you need? Cause that's literally one of my favorite questions as a tool that you, anybody can put in their back pocket and apply across whatever context, you know, I mean, what are you needing right now? Really is not the question that really anybody's asking anybody, but it is so powerful because in that moment, you, you force somebody's brain psychology to start answering the question. Mm. And that, that starts the immediate shift of the emotional reality. And then you help get the person into problem solving or resolution mode in their brain and heart. Oh. So it's a, it's a powerful question. So I love that you just said it um, because that's what I would actually, that's how I would answer your question. Okay. So, so straight up homework, there you go. Ask your partner, what do you need? But I would also, here's the thing that pops up for me here is I'm curious, like if somebody's, let's say there's someone's in an argument, I would yeah. assume that's another context in which this could be used is because it's like, if you're in an argument you're in a downward negative spiral, right? Or like you're, you're fighting about something, I guess I would assume if you ask this question in the middle of an argument, like, okay, like, let's just put this aside for a hot second. Like, what do you really need right now? That kind of elevates the conversation somewhere else. So is that another way that you would encourage someone to do this? Or have you seen that applied that way? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I want to say is, you know, an argument is a pursuance of, of needs, so, you know, anybody that's in an argument, it, you know, each person is trying to pursue their need. So if you can look at it from that angle, it's, it's a wonderful starting point. Um, another thing that's important to understand that's very freeing and empowering is to understand that we function based on whatever those top needs are. So say in an argument, if your need is for significance, but your partner's need is for love and connection. If you yourself are not feeling significant, it's going to be very difficult for you to give love and connection to uh. your partner because you need, it, it's our human way. And this doesn't make us good or bad, right or wrong. I mean, this is our human functioning. I mean, we need to, we need to primarily meet our top need before we're going to be very good and productive at helping our partner meet their top needs. So if we're talking about arguments, this is why arguments stay arguments because both parties are typically pursuing what they need and they're, they've lost sight of maybe what the other person needs or the fact that they're not supposed to be aligning or agreeing on whatever they're, you know, fighting over. So we're, we're driven first, you know, like, like, for example, I'm so love and connection and my husband is very much significance. And when we get in a fight, I have to remember that if I'm 
criticizing him, if I'm emasculating him by my tone and my face and my words, that makes him feel the opposite of significant with me. So he's not going to be loving. He's not going to be, he's not going to be, he's not going to be able to soften and connect with me because I'm doing something that's not allowing him to feel significant. Not like it's supposed to be one-sided and I'm supposed to meet his needs. So, you know, we should all be functioning both ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. As you were speaking, I think it's just interesting that it's almost like if you're having a, a conflict that, that you almost put your need as like, if you both make the commitment to put your primary need aside and actually focus on the first need of the other person that almost kind of solves it because it's like, I'm trying to solve, because like, just for everybody listening, I had Leah take this and Leah, my, my wife is love and connection. I'm gross. So it's like, I can only imagine if we're having a conversation and I, my goal is to make this about meeting her need for love and connection and her, her lenses for me for growth, that that would create, um, a, val- a more valuable conversation there too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, we all have a really high intention in trying to meet these needs of ours. So for example, I mean, you know, I work with a lot of high powered executives whose wives feel that they put work as number one and the marriage and the kids are on the back burner. And that can humanly be a, a triggering reality to feel. And at the same time, when you can come from the angle of a partner is maybe working these kinds of hours, putting the focus on that because it helps them feel significant. Maybe it helps them feel like I'm, 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 I'm supporting my family. I'm the breadwinner. So I'm, you know, I'm checking this box of contributing, maybe even love and connection. Maybe they meet all their needs by going to work, but it's being interpreted by the partner as I'm the, I'm, I'm the last priority, you know? So it's things like that when we can dissect, you know, why people are doing things and the needs that are getting met, um, the picture up levels. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I mean, I think people have a lot of homework to do uh, and, and like things that you could explore. And I think the, just to pick apart one other thing that you said, it's like, I think that if you understand your human need, your primary human needs, and you find a way to meet that on your own, you get to show up in your relationship stronger than if you didn't even have, if you weren't giving that gift to yourself. Right. So like, that's another, Absolutely. I think, I love that. yeah. So I think it's another value that, that, that people can have in understanding this. So um Jennifer, there's two more topics that I have highlighted that I don't know if we can fit them both in, uh, in, in the time that we have remaining, but I think these are two really powerful things. And so I, I guess I'll just pick one because when you and I had this conversation, this was a huge aha moment for me. And that is this concept of right hand versus left hand versus seventh power people. So we'd love for you to kind of give an overview of this because this was kind of a breakthrough for me. Awesome. I love it. I love that you're bringing this up. So we have all sorts of different people in our world and we have different needs that get met by our different pockets of people. And, you know, I love the conversation that you and I got to have because, you know, I, I personally resonate with what you shared with me, which I don't need to share with everybody because, you know, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, you know, we're different entrepreneurs, but coming from that spirit of, um, having a certain focus in this life of all the hard work and effort and growth that needs to come from being a successful entrepreneur. I think that's what stimulated this conversation, but anyway, um, it's human to want 
and expect people, especially the ones that are the most key to our success or our happiness, it's human to, ex- to want and expect them to show up in the way that nurtures us the most or in the best way that, that feels the best for us. And that's normal and natural. But the reality is different people serve different purposes in our lives for a good reason, because not everybody can serve all these different purposes. And it's very typical for family and close friends to not necessarily be the best support systems for the more responsible side of your life. So in other words, because I have the honor and joy of working with a lot of hardworking, success-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, corporate executives. So in general speak, painting with a large brush, that kind of person can be easily faced with the challenge of different kinds of relationships, needing to have relationships that support them in their business versus those more personal uh, nurturing relationships in your life, like family members, close friends, things like that. So, you know, it's, it's very um, universal for humans to expect even their closest friends to support them in some of their biggest, most important endeavors. And in my own personal experience, I, I, I will admit and say, um, but also in so many countless client cases, so much pain and heartache comes from the unmet expectation of how other people show up in our lives. And so when we can readjust or even just become conscious of, of the level of expectation that we're having on the different types of people in our life, and then kind of reassess, does this person belong in this category of relationship for me? That can allow us to um, keep or let go of expectations of other people that aren't serving us. So for example, um, it's common that your closest friends and your family members are not, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm painting with a broad stroke. This might not be you, but this is the majority of people in my experience and the data says, um, your, fr- your friends and family are not gonna be your best supporter for your work or your entrepreneurship or for your, your, your business endeavors because they, they, they likely see you in a certain way. They see you as their son, they see you as the, as the guy that can go to the bar on Friday night with them and talk smack. Uh, they see you as the guy on the tennis court. You know, they, they want to see you in a certain light. And so, you know, we want to be seen for all our facets, you know, humanly. And at the same time, it can be humanly hard for people to support us in all the ways. So left-hand people are your, your, um, You can change this however you want, but in one hand, you have the people in your life that support you in your work and what you're working on. They've got your back. You can, you can talk to them about what you're working on and they have your back. Um, And then you have the people in the other hand, which are your friends and family. They don't need to hear all about your work. They don't necessarily need to be your, your support source for your work. That's what the, the people in your other hand are for. And 
being able to have these two different pockets of people allows you to lift the weight and the expectation off of your loved ones so that they don't have to, to serve the purpose of meeting your needs in the responsible work world, you know, and then you have those other people, um, people that you network with your business colleagues, you know, even friends that share your entrepreneurship with you, you know, that this doesn't have to be exclusive. I mean, these, these buckets can certainly cross over. Um, however, um, it's likely you have certain people that belong in one or the other. And if you can um, use this tool to assign them to the bucket that they belong in, you can relieve yourself of expectations and thought processes that, that won't be met or happen with that person. Yeah. Just to tie this into another insight from another guest that came on the show, Mo Gaudat, he wrote the book, Solve for Happy. He talks about the happiness equation. Happiness is greater than or equal to your perceptions of the events in your life, minus your expectations of how life should behave. So I think that this is one of those tools where if you have someone categorized in the wrong bucket, you are setting the wrong expectations for who these people are in your life. And so like that, that was the, the, the breakthrough for me is I was miscategorizing people. I was expecting them to meet a certain need that I had for having incredible conversations about entrepreneurship and business when like that really wasn't realistic for them to be inside of that bucket. But the, the, negative feeling that I was feeling wasn't their fault. It was my fault for categorizing them in, in the wrong area. So mm -hmm. in, when you, when you and I had this conversation, Jennifer, we talked about seventh, this other bucket called seventh power. And like the way you described it to me was like, these are my entrepreneurial friends, the friends that I can talk to about growth and innovation and like self-improvement and all this other stuff. But like, so th that's how I understood it to somebody that, you know, maybe isn't coming from an entrepreneurial lens, or if, if somebody were to go explain this concept to a friend after, how would you explain the seventh power? bucket. Yeah. So, so let me, let me just reiterate, um, right-hand people are the people that you can't, you know, these are friends or family that you can go to and you can talk to them and they have your back and you can trust them. They've got your back. Left-hand people are still friends and family and even colleagues that you appreciate, that you want to spend time with, that you need or want for whatever reason, but you're not necessarily going to tell them all of your personal stuff or share all of your dream stuff with them. And then seventh power is your true supporters in your endeavors in life. These are the mm. people that will understand your entrepreneurship, you know, your world of uncertainty as an entrepreneur. Um, they'll have your back, but in a way that, um, supports all the responsibility and responsible journey that you're on. Whereas you're, so, yeah. Got it. So is it safe to say like whatever career that you're on, like kind of like where you decide to dedicate your life? Like if you're a nurse, like these are your other nursing friends that can relate to the trials and tribulations of that path. Or if you're a uh, fighter pilot, <laughs> you know, it's like, you, I just, I just watched the, um, the new Tom Cruise, uh, oh, so uh Top Gun movie. So I, <laughs> that's why, maybe that's why I came up or Waldo who's been on my show as an air fighter pilot, but like, you know, those are the people that can relate to your struggles, that kind of stuff. So like, that's generally how that works. And so is that correct? It's like, those are those categories of people. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and, and also they can blend. So you could have a seventh power person. That's also a right-hand person. You know, you've got, you're a nurse, they're a nurse. They understand everything that you're going through to keep growing and be that successful, you know, professional, but Hey, you can also talk to them about your, your dirty, dark secrets, you know, your closet stuff. So it, it, these can definitely cross over. um, And it's good to know, you know, who you can blend um, and who you need to keep separate in their, in their places. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so as a very high level summary, I guess then I would say is like, you can't have someone that's simultaneously a right hand and a left hand person, but you could have a right hand seventh power person or a left hand seventh power person, because they have that overlap of understanding your dedication or professional thing that you're focused on that allows you to kind of feel heard and seen in that particular area of your life. Yes. Well said. Cool. That's perfect. Awesome. Yes. Love that. Cool. Well, Jennifer, this has been so much fun. And I know that there's so much value that people can get from understanding themselves better and what needs that they have and also their partners. So I know there's lots of cool things that people can apply from today. As we kind of wrap things up, uh, the question I like to ask lots of my guests is what does happiness mean to you, Jennifer? Like as somebody that has coached all these people on having more fulfilling relationships, what does happiness mean to you? Happiness to me is... I want, I mean, the first thing that pops into my heart is being able to lose track of time. You know, I feel, I feel like in this world of busyness and constant stimulation, being able to be fully present in the moment and not be thinking about multiple things that you've got to get done, not, not be thinking about time and essence of what, what do I have to do next? Um, and I do feel like, at least in my world, those things I'm, I'm thinking of, like my boys, my spending time with my family, um, when I'm truly, if I'm thinking about the times that I'm the happiest, uh, I'm usually able to lose track of time. And if mm-hmm. I'm going deeper, it, that's usually um, spending time with the most important people in my life. Beautiful. We'll not add anything to that except for Jennifer, where can people find out more about the incredible stuff that you have going on and that potentially have a conversation with you or follow your work and all that good stuff. Thank you for asking, Brandon. I would love to invite you all to go to my website to apply for a 30 minute coaching call with me. This isn't a sales pitch. I would love to help you address a specific scenario or situation relationship challenge that you've got going on in your world. And if at the end of 30 minutes, you want to know more about how you can work with me, we'll, we'll address that, but go ahead and go to Jennifer B L A N K L as in Larry. It's a funky last name. I know.com. Uh, there's a let's connect button at the top of my homepage. You can hit that to apply for your, uh, your 30 minute coaching call with me. And in that call, you'll get relief. You'll get restored hope. If that's what you need, You'll get a concrete tool or strategy that you can execute to uh, create an immediate shift. And if you need it, you'll also get the clarity between what the heck a coach even does and and how I can help you. So thanks for asking, Brandon. And thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Of course. And I'll just say really quickly too, I have spent some time with Jennifer in one of those coaching sessions and we went deep on a few things and I approached Jennifer because I love the work she was doing. And I've always had it as a goal to work with someone proactively on my relationship rather than wait till something is a fire needs to be put out. So like that was really cool. And Jennifer is a great listener and somebody that is great at listening. So I would highly encourage anybody to go do that. Uh, but let me just have a quick conversation with you listening right now. And I just want to say if this is your very first episode, you could be listening to 
any other podcast in the world, but you decided to click on this episode with Jennifer Blankel. I'm very grateful to have you here. And if you're returning, you know how much I appreciate you for coming back every single week. And the last thing I always say to conclude things for you is if you have found something that was super valuable for you today, and I, I say this from the perspective of somebody that's life has been changed by podcasts, you absolutely have the power to change someone's life today. If you take the time to share this with a friend that could use this, maybe somebody is struggling in their relationship, or maybe you know somebody that has talked about wanting to get better in their relationship, just even the small things of talking about the six human needs, or maybe it was the, the seventh power or right and left-hand thing. These things are, are fundamental human needs that will make an impact. So if you choose to share this, not only will it make my day, but it will also make Jennifer's day and it can also make a massive impact. So uh, whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you for listening. And Jennifer, any final things you want to say before we head off for today? It only takes one person to transform any relationship. You've got all the power already inside of you to make a lot of change. If Even if you can't get the cooperation of somebody else in your world, you want to be better with. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you, Brandon.